Welcome to Calvary's small group curriculum for our eight-week fall teaching series, Calvary Next. This is the audio version of the video teaching for our small groups. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access the video, group discussion guide, and daily devotionals for each week. Now, here's session six. Session six focuses on three of our core values with Pastor Brian Howard and Steve Day, our care pastor. You know, in Acts chapter eight, we read about this Ethiopian eunuch who's on his journey. And it says here that after this man had gone up to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting on his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And this is such an interesting start to the story to me because what we see here is this man who has just been at a worship service and on his ride home, he's reading more of the Bible. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And I think it would almost be like if you came to a church service here on a Sunday morning and then you were so fired up about what God was doing in your life that on your drive home as your spouse was driving, you were just reading more of the Bible because you couldn't get enough of it. That's what's going on here for this Ethiopian eunuch. He's stirred by the word of God. He wants to read the word of God. No one's asking him to do that on his chariot. He's doing it on his own. And I think this perfectly illustrates for us in this story what one of our core values is going to be for our church going forward. And that's the core value that God's people delight in God's word, that we can't get enough of it. It's not something we feel like we should do or must do. It's something we crave, like I crave those oatmeal cookies. Psalm 119, 131 says, I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Do you see this desire? It's so much more than I'm supposed to read the Bible. It's a deep desire for the word of God that we cannot get enough of it, that God's people delight in God's word. Now it goes on this way, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in verse 29, it says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And then he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And this simple little invitation turns out to be life-changing for this Ethiopian eunuch. He invites Philip up onto the chariot, into his space, and this ends up leading to his salvation, to his baptism, and to a changed life forever. And this change, this powerful moment happens in the Ethiopian eunuch's life because he invites Philip to come sit with him, to have a conversation with him, to open up the word and to build a relationship together with someone he doesn't know. And I think what this illustrates again for us is another core value that our church is gonna have going forward. The way we wanna articulate it is simply this, that life change happens in relationship. Life change, this kind of transformation that we're all after happens not on my own, not just me and God alone, as important as that is, but it happens in the context of relationship. It happens just like this Ethiopian eunuch invites Philip into his space, into his orbit, so that they can have a conversation and get to know each other. That's how the life changes. That's how we become more like Jesus. I think I'm speaking to a group right now that understands this more than anyone else, and that's in your small group, in this context. I know for myself, I got married in March of 2013. And then that summer, I began to be part of a small group here at Calvary of couples who were part of our church. And so right now, as we head toward the spring of next year, we're heading up on 10 years of me being in that same small group. And I can just totally attest to how life change happens in the context of that relationship. It's been 10 years of us laughing and praying and crying and saying goodbye and welcoming babies together. It's been 10 years of us praying and reading the Bible and challenging and encouraging 
encouraging each other. It's been 10 years of us seeing the truth of this statement that life change happens in relationship. And I wanna encourage you as a group to continue to invest in one another, to lean in on those relationships, to not grow weary of meeting together, but rather to double down on relationship because that's where God does his best work. Of course, this is gonna happen in places outside of formal small group settings, in coffees and conversations and having people over to your homes. But I believe this value for our church that we would all put into practice, just like this Ethiopian eunuch inviting Philip into his chariot so that that relationship can form. I believe this is a value that'll help us live in love like Jesus in the years to come. And then here's how the story concludes here in verse 32. It said, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. See, Philip hears this scripture from the prophet Isaiah that's being read out loud. And Philip understands something that I need all of us to understand as we go forward. I think it's critical for our church to embrace this value, this core value of Calvary going forward. And that is simply that it is all about Jesus. See, Philip understood this, that the prophet Isaiah was not talking about someone else, but the prophet was talking about Jesus. See, Philip understands that the whole Bible is about Jesus. It points to him and it highlights him and it celebrates who Jesus is. Philip understands, and I hope we all understand, that our faith and our salvation is all about Jesus. The good news of the gospel is not that we made our way to God, it's that Jesus made his way to us and rescued and saved us. It's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And here at Calvary, it will always be about Jesus. You know, in the last couple of years, there have been a number of conversations and criticisms and encouragements that have come into us as a staff here at Calvary. And one of the ones we always found most peculiar was this something like this, people would email or write in and they would say something like, with all that's going on in the world right now, with everything happening in the news, how can you guys keep teaching the Bible and talking about Jesus? And our response was a very different view than the criticism that was coming in. And it's that with all that's going on in the world, with all that's going on in our lives and in the news, how could we do anything but continue to teach the Bible and talk about Jesus? See, we believe that Jesus is the answer. We believe that Jesus is our hope. We believe that once we get Jesus right in our hearts and minds, it changes everything about how we approach the problems of our lives, the problems of our family, and the problems of our world. It's all about Jesus. You know, in the years to come, I think what's going to happen for each of us is we're going to be pulled into something where someone wants to make our highest priority, our big agenda, their political party or a philosophy or a worldview or an organization or a company or, or even a diet or a lifestyle approach. And all of those things can be wonderful things. All of those things can be things we lean in with, but only if those things are under the authority of Jesus, where he is our highest and our greatest aim. When we say it's all about Jesus, we're we're not saying nothing else matters, but we're saying that Jesus is the one who matters the most. 
Well, thanks, Brian, for that. Yeah, you know, you. whenever I read that story, I'm so struck by Philip's obedience, yeah, right? Because yeah. he's in this uh, kind of the hubbub of where all the action's yeah. happening, and God just kind of plucks him yep. and moves him. And his response is to initiate this conversation, yeah. which requires yeah. a lot of boldness as well as obedience. Yeah. So, you know, I was wondering for either of you, if you've had an experience where God's Spirit led you to um, do something maybe a little out of your comfort and approach someone who's not a believer who, or who's a little uncomfortable for you, but um, you took the step in obedience. I'm thinking of uh, a neighbor who one day I was getting in my truck, I was leaving to come to the church, and I saw him in his front yard, but he didn't look normal. His head was kind of down, you know, like he was sad, but I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. So I went to go get into the truck to leave, and I thought, no, I can't do that. I got to go ask. Mm. So I went and asked him, and sure enough, they had a death in the family. And so he's not, they're not churched. Mm. So I got to pray with him and, and ask him if he needed anything, you know, wow. let us know. Wow. And so that's kind of that same thing. Maybe God's nudging us at times to uh, speak to somebody, and maybe we should. Yeah, I remember years ago, I was at a, a winter camp with high school ministry, and I was reading through and praying through one morning the whole roster of all 200 kids that were at camp. And I came across one name I didn't know, and I unmistakably heard the Spirit of God say, go talk to her. Mm. And I was terrified because I didn't right. know her, and that sounds kind of <laughs> creepy that yeah. I would walk up to her, but I felt like I had to obey, and I walked up to her. And it was this remarkable moment of her mm. saying, I have been praying this whole weekend that if God was real, he would send someone to come talk wow. to me. And that moment right. just made me so confident that one, God was in that. And two, I should listen more often. Right. And so I try to do that when uh, God prompts me to text someone and just say, hey, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. Try to do that when I'm walking through my day and see someone and God prompts me to go encourage them or bless them. And so I try to do my best. But 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 honestly, sometimes I'm filled with fear or doubt that right. is this really God? Mm -hmm. And yet I found every time I walk into obedience there, it's always a blessing. Yeah. And I think that whole idea of, you know, here in the passage, it was so clear, right? Yeah. God spoke. Yep. Um, and I like how you're saying you know, there's a prompting. Like you went back to your truck and then something in you kind of said, go yeah. back. Yeah. How do we prepare ourselves for those moments? Yeah. Well, I think part of it is when we talk about God's people delighting in God's word, when I listen to the word of God, mm -hmm. when I read it, I start to know what God sounds like. And mm -hmm. so go pray for someone, go encourage someone, go bless them, go build them up. That's real biblical stuff. Yes. That's what God sounds like. If it's go do something weird or selfish or mean, that, that's really not <laughs> the spirit of God, right? right. Like uh, that, that's my own flesh or the enemy. And so I think the more I read the word of God, the more I can recognize those promptings. Yeah, and, and prompts come from the word of God. I mean, God speaks to our spirit mm -hmm. through his word. Yeah, You know, so if we're in the word, we're, we're hearing from God. If we're not in the word, somebody else is speaking to us, but he prompts us, he mm. nudges us. And, and there's, there's, there's real, I think, fun and challenge yeah. in trying to see if it is from God. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I think um, sometimes when I'm reluctant, because I'm like, God, is this you? Is this me? Whatever. What's kind of cool is I think to myself, what's the worst that could happen? That's right. Yeah. I embarrass myself a little bit. Yeah. I have a slightly awkward conversation, but the possibility of the upside is yep. so high yep. that they actually could have a situation where someone really did need a word from the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. the downside is what I'm a little embarrassed. So That's I think right. yeah. take the risk. That's right. right. Amen. <laughs> That's Amen. That's how we grow. Right. When we take risks, yeah. Yeah, yeah and as yeah. we know God's word, and I know um, that's one of the values you spoke of in the yeah. teaching, and we did a whole session on that right. on um, earlier. And so we're going to kind of not touch on that in this conversation and yeah. focus on the other two yeah. values. So let's talk about that it's all about Jesus. We yeah. say that a lot around here, and we do really try to live that out, yeah. you know, to live in love like Jesus and everything we do. So let's think for a moment about if it's not going to be all about Jesus, then in our culture, in our community, what 
do we make it about? Yeah, I, I loved what you said about uh, the stuff that comes in from the world, the stuff, that, the noise that comes in from the outside, you know, and in, in the care center with our care staff, you know, we're forever saying it's about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And yeah. think about it this way. We have a benevolence ministry. We try to help people pay their bills and, and we write those checks and we give them out and they leave. Is it, are we more like a bank or, <laughs> or are we more like some of the secular organizations sure. around us that sure. are really good yeah. or... Do we explain to the people why we're doing this? That yeah. Jesus called us to go help people in need. That Jesus called us to, you know, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, to do those things. Yeah. So if if it's not about Jesus, I find in my own life, it becomes about me. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I actually think the greatest competitor is is not politics or worldview or philosophy, although those are important. It is me, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's I wake up in the morning and I think about me and my wants and my needs and, and how I'm feeling today. And, and if I'm not careful, my default is to obsess with me. Absolutely. And, and yet to be all about Jesus is to say, you know what? Today is about him. It's his day. The Lord, right. he is made, right? The day he, the Lord is made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, and so how do I move through today thinking? thinking about Jesus, serving Jesus, being about Jesus, and not allowing my own agenda to take over. Amen. Yeah, and how Amen. do you battle that? I mean, yeah. what are some practical ways you guys okay. have used in your own lives to battle so that it isn't about us and it ends up being about Jesus? Being in the Word. Yeah. God's Word transforms us. That's God right. speaks to us through that Word, and it's being in accountable relationships mm -hmm. as well. And nobody can tell you uh, more about yourself than your spouse or yeah. your best yeah. friend. You know what I mean? How about you, Brian? How do you try to yeah. live out the being all about Jesus, not just as a ministry thing sure, or as yeah. a church thing yeah. in your role as pastor, but yeah. in your own life? Totally. And, and I think for me, obviously there's the role, but then there's just me as a dad and me as a husband. And, and, and how do I serve and love my family like Jesus would? And I think that's a constant tension of, okay, I want, I want rest. I want it to be easy. I want to be comfortable. And yet my children need me and my wife need me. And how do I really make it about them? And so I found going back to that word obedience is really the antidote to making it all about me. When I'm all about me, it's I'm into me. I'm insecure. I, I'm thinking about myself. But when I focus on others, my children or, or my kids or my friends or my small group, then I, I really notice that I'm less obsessed with me. And, yeah. and the really beautiful thing is when I'm all about Jesus and all about serving others, I'm more joyful. I'm yeah. more peaceful. I'm not really tensed up or insecure because I'm not thinking about me at all. So in your ministry, Steve, um, especially with the care ministry mm -hmm. and all the the needs and the heavy, you kind of, we always say you're the safety net, right? For all of our ministries, because you get to see people at their most broken and, and situations. So how do you encourage when people are in those places to make it about Jesus when it seems like their immediate needs of, you know, finances and illness yeah. and all those things are pressing and so hard and so heavy. How do you help them turn their focus to Jesus? Well, again, we talk about it all the time in that staff. It's about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's, it's not about you uh, helping someone, even mm -hmm. though that's part of the process. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus would have us do with them. And most of the time, it's being still and listening to stories. Mm -hmm. People have stories, and they're valid stories. And then trying to interject how much God loves them mm -hmm. and what the scriptures say about how much Jesus not, wants to not only save them mm -hmm. eternally, but wants to help them walk through their difficulty. And we give scripture, we teach praying through scripture, we, everything points back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and the truth is, and we all know this, uh, um, we can love Jesus and have a strong faith 
and feel terrible at the same time because we're going through something yeah. difficult. But we want people to know that God walks with them through that. Yeah. And I think there's something beautiful there about how you're being an embodied presence of Jesus. Mm. You're listening, right? And I think for, for me, that's the struggle so often. If the Lord whispers anything to me, it's listen to this person, be there. But what I love is you take it a step further because so often we think, okay, I'll just love them and I'll serve them. But, but, but at some point we have to open our mouth and talk about the Savior. Sure. We have to sure. talk about Jesus. And I love that you two bring both. There are some people who just want to talk about Jesus, but never serve anyone. Right. And others who want to serve, but then never really talk about Jesus. And I love that you, not only in your ministry, but in your life, have modeled both really well. Yeah, and that touches on the third value, which mm. is about life change happening in yeah. relationships, which is one of yeah. our mantras in small groups. So this yeah. is one near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, and even in the discipline of listening and being present with people, yeah. um, that is a way to be Jesus and to make much of Jesus together. So now I'm curious in your own personal lives, again, not in the ministry space, but in your own personal lives, um, has there been an example of somebody whose life has helped to shape you, where you've been changed and your life's been changed through a relationship? Oh, yeah. In every season. And I mean, the fact that that um, I'm older than both of you. I mean, I look back on all the seasons to get to this place, and it <laughs> seems like God had placed people uh, in my life to help develop my life. And it's still happening today. I mean, I remember a guy by the name of Bill Deustermeyers who was there in high school for me, there in college for me. And when I was first involved in planting churches and ministry was still there, mentoring, teaching, yeah. caring, being very patient with me. Mm. So yeah, relationships are so vitally important. Small groups are everything, you know, yeah. accountability, love. Uh, we walk with each other. Mm -hmm. God's built us for relationship. Yeah. And uh, so very important. And I love here in the story how the Ethiopian eunuch invites Philip in. Mm -hmm. And so often I think the key to life change happening in relationship is us having the willingness yes. to have other people come into our lives. And so I think of um, years before I was on staff here, I met J.D. Lasky. Yeah. And J.D. Lasky and I both love Jesus and are good friends, but we're very different in so many ways. <laughs> yes. And yet that relationship has changed me. It's made me better. We followed Jesus together and that friendship um, has really transformed me. Uh, and that happened because of his intentionality but it also always happens because we allow people in. And I think what happens for so many people is we don't actually allow anyone in and then we're so curious why life change isn't happening in yeah. relationship. And relationship is different than knowing people. You can yeah. be sitting in the same small group room as someone for years, but never actually let them in. And I think once we let them in, um, like letting them into the chariot, letting them into the deep parts of your life, that's when change starts to happen. Well, in the last few years, couple of years with COVID, we've seen loneliness just skyrocket. Yeah. We've seen isolation isolation, all of those things. And a lot of people's, even now, even though we're past the worst of it, there's still this fear and a pattern perhaps yeah. of not gathering together. Yeah. And so now put your ministry hats back on and say, okay, how can we encourage people um, in our body to build deeper relationships with each other where change can actually happen? I mean, yeah. you, you touched on that, Brian, because you can be in the same room, same small group yeah. year after year and not really let each other into the deeper parts. Yeah. Um, so how would you encourage us to take that risk and to do mm -hmm. that? 
Yeah. Uh, I think what happens so often is we think that it's some kind of weakness that we need each other oh, or right. oh, we should be strong enough or, or even as a married couple, we should have this on our own. And, mm-hmm. and I think the most freeing thing is to say, I don't have this on my own. I need other people. And, and then more than that, when you get into group, and, and I think this is for all of our groups, is um, people will not really bond over your strengths. They, they will bond over your mm-hmm. weaknesses, over letting That's them into really the true. tender parts and the vulnerable parts where you say, you know, I haven't really prayed in weeks or I don't really read my Bible much and it's hard for me or our marriage is struggling or I'm having a tough week with my kids. That invites people into the journey, not just to vent. Venting's fine, but it invites people into the weakness and God makes his strength perfect in our weakness. And I think that happens best in community. Amen. Amen. It's a great point on vulnerability. And Mm. so I hope you guys caught that um, as Brian encouraged us to go to the next layer, go deeper. And one way to do that, actually, as I sit here with these two friends, is that we are part of a prayer group together. We've been for five, six years or so. And we have a couple others with us. And praying together has really deepened our friendship and our impact and influence on each other's lives. And that is something that our groups do together. And so we invite you to continue to take risks with each other and trust each other by praying for one another deeply about the things that really matter. That's right. Thank you for listening. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access additional resources.